We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. What's going on, everybody? Hope you had a good week one in the NFL season. I know we did. And we are back for week two. It's Roto World's DFS Pick 6 presented by Roto Grinders. I'm Eric Crane, and I am joined, of course, by two of the goats. We got Rich Rebar. Mr. Reeves, how we doing? Doing real good. You know, I had to unmute myself. You guys checked me last time. I think I was clicking in the background. So we're going to be <laughs> no, on it for you guys today. But, but, well, hopefully week one was hot for everyone. You know, we spent a lot of time this offseason talking about how down of a season last year was for fantasy purposes and fantasy scoring. And week one came out the gates hot. I mean, we had 18 more offensive touchdowns than we did week one last year. Quarterback scoring was up almost five points per game. I mean, who knew when you have guys that can actually throw the football – Fantasy points will follow. I mean, wide receiver ones had a monster week last week. Big time wide receivers delivered last week. Yeah, I think we had the highest, uh, you know, the highest score for a million maker winner last night. It was over 300, which is, I mean, just completely absurd. Evan, I mean, I was what was it? Were the defenses bad or were the offense just good? Yeah, we just have a lot of talented quarterbacks in the league right now. And, you know, getting back so many guys from injury obviously helped. The offensive lines held up better than I anticipated. The offensive line play, especially in the first couple weeks of the season, past few years, was atrocious. Um, But it seemed like the coaches had their guys uh, more prepared this year. We actually had a a training camp slash preseason where there were not as many injuries uh, as in previous years. That probably helped. Um, but yeah, it was, it was a super exciting week. I mean, you know, from the Thursday game all the way to that Sunday night game, um, the Sunday night game was incredible between the bears and the Packers. And then, you know, the, the Monday night game was cool or the Monday night games were cool as well. You know, seeing Darnold play really well, uh, you know, learning about the lions, what is going on with them. They're like a freaking train wreck in on multiple uh, fronts. And then, um, you know, the beast mode run in the late Monday night game was awesome to start the game off. 
but then, you know, the Rams kind of took over and the Raiders wound up looking like a bad team. And then today we see John Gruden call out Derek Carr. You do not see head coaches in the NFL call out their quarterbacks for not pulling the trigger on open throws. That is like, that's a, a big deal. That That's like what, you know, guy like just observers will say, but that's not something that you see head coaches in the NFL say. And I, I'm, you know, starting to wonder, he's probably going to go to week Denver in week two and struggle. And then, you know, will he be on a short leash after that? They only have AJ McCarron behind him, but you know, and Derek Carr's been doing this for, you know, multiple seasons now, like playing tentatively and, you know, being a captain check down. The Raiders completed five passes in week one to wide receivers. Yeah, I mean, it was just it was a really fun week one, you know, unless you're a Bills fan or a Lions fan. If you're a fan of either of those teams, or I guess the Saints, but at least they know they can put up points. It was it was a lot of fun if you're out there playing fantasy. Everybody put up a big score. You might not have won with a big score. I think we had a record number of people tweeting saying, I put up yada, 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 and I barely won. Yeah, well, guess what? Everybody put up yada, yada, yada. But let's go ahead and jump into week two, because obviously week one's in the books. We know a few more things than we knew before. Time to start preparing for week two. And one of the first games that, well, everybody's going to be targeting is this Kansas City game at Pittsburgh. It's got the biggest total on the board. It's a 53-point total. Pittsburgh, they're four-point favorites at home. And let's first start talking about this Kansas City offense. They just hung 38 on the Chargers. Patrick Mahomes looks like an absolute stud. Reeves, what's your take on this passing game of Kansas City so far? I mean, it's, it's really just one guy. I mean, if you go back now through the preseason, it Tyreek Hill has caught 21 of 24 targets, 88% of his targets for 351 yards. Patrick Holmes averaged 14.6 yards per target to Tyreek Hill from the preseason and into week one. To anyone else, he's 20 of 39, 51%, averaged 6.1 yards per target to those guys. Hasn't gotten clicking with Sammy Watkins, hasn't really shown a report with Travis Kelsey through the preseason. In, and they haven't really thrown to Kareem Hunt. I mean, one of the things that's probably going to be troubling going on with some of the monitor is the kind of targets Kareem Hunt gets because Mahomes is a he's going to wing it, man. He's going to be pushing the ball down the field. So I mean, it, that might you know get rid of some of those you know check down type targets. And he's athletic; he can get out and, and move around on his own. But uh, yeah, this is kind of what we thought was going to happen with the Chiefs. We all kind of had this inkling they they're going to be a team that's probably going to be a weekly shootout type of team. They're kind of going to be. The, the, the old, like probably the AFC Saints, you know, for us, you know, how we used to target the Saints every week at both sides of the ball. And Tyree Kill has just been unreal. Like he's just been so, so ridiculous. I mean, you look at last year, I think it was fair to question him coming into the season. The way he was used as a rookie is kind of just like, a you know, in a Percy Harvin-esque type fashion. And he proved last year he was a real, you know, wide receiver. I mean, his, his, he caught 72% of his targets, 71.4%. Uh, with a with almost a 12 yard a dot that's pretty ridiculous uh he caught he caught uh seven of eight targets week one with almost an 18 yard a dot like this like that type of efficiency on those types of targets doesn't happen it's because the dude is just wide open like he's just all alone always i mean you're not going to always get a get a punt return you're always not going to get that cheap you know that that one yard you know shovel pass you know jet on that jet jet action uh but this guy is is a unique elite talent and can drop a hammer and is paired with a quarterback that is just completely, you know, locked in for his type of skill set. Sorry, I lost audio there for a second. Yeah, no, I mean, Evan, real quick, talk to me about Tyreek Hill because he's somebody like Reeves was just saying, like, can anybody stop this guy right now? 
Yeah, I mean, you know, I don't like to compare anybody to like the goat of our generation and Tyreek's different from Antonio Brown, you know, but he's kind of like that outlier kind of player who, you know, wasn't drafted high, you know, uh, Antonio Brown at least was super productive at Central Michigan. Uh, Tyreek Hill wasn't even productive in college. Um, now he's going to face off with this Steelers defense. It looks like Joe Hayden might be in danger of missing the game. He suffered a hamstring injury in week one, did not return. Um, one thing I've noticed about Tyree Kill, too, and it's probably just noise, but, I mean, it's been going on for eight games straight, is uh, he has these crazy road game splits. Um, I mean, he just lights people on fire on the road. Last week he was on the road. His previous game before that on the road, six for eight, 185 and two touchdowns. Uh, previous game before that, seven catches, uh, 64 yards and a touchdown. The previous road game, previous six, 125 and a touchdown. Um, so, and it's eight games straight, you know, sustained of Tyreek Hill just smashing people on the road. And, you know, like Reeves alluded to, this is the, the only player that Pat Mahomes really has shown a consistent rapport with since he became the Chiefs starting quarterback. And we saw him a lot in the preseason because the Chiefs played their starters a lot in the preseason. And he had that with Tyreek Hill and he hasn't had it with, with anybody else. So this is like, this is pretty bankable. And um, I think that every week we need to have exposure to Pat Mahomes, Tyreek Hill stacks uh, in DFS. Yeah. Like we know about Mahomes, like he's somebody who's going to air it out deep Tyreek Hill, obviously big play threat every time, but he's not just getting these deep balls. And I think a lot of people, when they think of Tyreek Hill, they just think, all right, well, this guy is going to get a few shots down the field. We'll tell what goes well. That's not this guy anymore. He's just going to be a target monster, I think, moving forward. And like Evan said, every week I'm going to be having some shares of Tyreek Hill. When we look at these other pieces on Kansas City, Rich, obviously we kind of talked about Kareem Hunt, that passing game usage, not quite there as much as we wanted it to be. Travis Kelsey just did nothing in week one. Can we expect those two guys to bounce back this week? The only argument I can really make for those guys is just to, is just to be contrarian and get pieces of the game. I mean, I can't really on paper make an argument for either player. I mean, Watkins now has been a wide receiver two better just 15 times in his career. He's got an ongoing streak of just being just kind of like an ancillary guy that just, you know, runs people off the ball, like doesn't, doesn't get any targets. And Kelsey – who we talked about last week is just never had a great history against the chargers. And he's trading that matchup for a matchup. He's also never had any success against the Steelers. You know, they played uh, each of the past four years. He has 16 catches total for 184 yards, one touchdown in those games. Uh, you look at the yardage 31, 23, 37, uh, the Steelers have allowed just two tight ends to score a touchdown since the start of last year. That's the best in the NFL. I mean, on paper, I can't make argument. Like I said, they haven't shown any rapport with Patrick Mahomes to this point. Uh, it's literally just saying you're going to make just differentiate lineups because you just want to make pieces of the game. Yeah, and you know this might be a spot where you just want to have exposure to both sides in every team you build because points are very clearly going to be scored. Obviously, Tyreek Hill and Patrick Mahomes are the guys we want on Kansas City. Evan, what about you? Can you make a case for Hill or no, – no, we can definitely make a kill case yeah. for Hill, for Hunt or for Kelsey? No, I mean, I think that Reeves said it perfectly. They're just – they're definitely not cash options, even in a, what it projects as a very high-scoring game. And, um, you know, there's nothing really that we can hang our hat on from – you know, week one as to, you know, the weaknesses of the Steelers defense against the Browns uh, in favor of Travis Kelsey or Sammy Watkins. 
Uh, and then you know, I, I just think that they're tournament options that are, you know, like like when you played Muhammad Sanu in that, what was that, the, the Packers game uh, mm-hmm. where he like went off and you won the Millie, you know, just as uh, guy, guys to get exposure to the game as opposed to guys that you can really count on. Evan, I mean, you look at James Conner, somebody last week who just blew up 135 and two touchdowns on 31 carries. I'm not sure he's going to have 31 carries again this time, but Evan, are you going right back to the well with James Conner? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, we talked last week about how you put had to put him in every lineup and, you know, you, you did. And I think that, you know, that's got to be the case again this week. Um, he played 92% of the snaps, 36 touches, uh, you know, the Steelers offensive line is really strong. The Chiefs run defense is really weak. Chiefs particularly got smashed in the passing game by Melvin Gordon and Austin Eckler last week. 14 combined catches for 189 yards, uh, over 13 yards per reception. Uh, the Chiefs, uh, the Chargers running backs also averaged over five yards per carry combined against the Chiefs. Um, so, you know, this is like Pat Mahomes back in the, in, in the big 12, uh, and James Conner is, you know, a, a, an every down, like he's getting that David Johnson, Le'Veon Bell usage. Uh, he's a home favorite. Uh, the Steelers over the past three years have averaged, uh, seven points per game more at home, uh, than on the road. And over the past three years, the chiefs have allowed, uh, seven more points per game on the road than at home. Uh, so, you know, this is a great, great spot to continue to ride James Conner. I mean, I, I think that he's he's another he's another lock button this week. Yeah, I mean, James Conner and the price has obviously come up, but probably hasn't come up enough. And mm-hmm. Reeves, obviously, James Conner's guy we want to attack. And then also Antonio Brown, I mean, against this Kansas City secondary, it's tough to imagine a world where Brown doesn't get there this week. I mean, listen, we get, we, there's probably, we could talk about this chiefs every week. We've come out of the gates. We're just going to hammer it home early on because eventually it's just going to be everyone and everyone already is on it, but this passing game is going to smash. Uh, you know, you look at AB, well, you look at just last week. So the chiefs last year, last season, even with Marcus Peters, they were 31st in PPR points, allowed the wide receivers. They came out and allowed 48 last week to the Chargers. Probably could have allowed 60 if the Chargers wouldn't have left two or three touchdowns on the field in that game. Uh, you look at the Chiefs cornerbacks that you haven't talked about. They're, they're starting three slot corners. Uh, Steven Nelson, this guy gave up nine of ten, seven of ten targets were caught in his coverage for 103 yards. Scandrick gave up two touchdowns. Kendall Fuller allowed four or five completions for 50 yards. We talked about last week, I've been talking about it, Anthony Hitchens wasn't kept in the Cowboys because he couldn't play in pass coverage. He got absolutely just obliterated by the running backs in that game. Uh, this is this is just going to be a defense that we just circle in weekly. We just go after whatever they did. Uh, Ben's in a bounce back spot. DK made Ben the QB two in pricing, so they were on the ball on that one. Kansas City has allowed the most quarterback scoring uh, points per game on the road last year. They came out last week, allowed 29 points to Phillip Rivers. It's just a smash spot. I mean, AB, we talked about a splits without Le'Veon Bell. Juju's going to eat. I mean, this, they combined for 59% of the Steelers' targets last week against the Browns, 63% of the team's receiving yardage. I mean, just light them up. Put them in lineups. Just just go. I, I, think, it's, I think it's jam them in for Connor and Antonio Brown, Yeah, I think. Um, also, all right, so I was just doing, you know, I don't do weekly rankings on our website. Uh, Rotopat does. Uh, I don't know, Reeves, do you still do weekly rankings? 
Yeah, me, Pat, uh, Ray, and Nick Mencio do staff rankings in the season That's pass right, in, in the season pass. That's right. Um, well, you know, so Reeves, was, does, Reeves literally does everything. Yeah. Um, but uh, so I was going through some, you know, preliminary weekly rankings. The only running back that I could justify ahead of James Conner was Todd Gurley at home against the Cardinals. Um, and I think that James Conner, even you could rank him ahead of Todd Gurley. Um, I don't know. Have you, have you done running back rankings? Is there anybody that you have ahead of uh, James Conner and, and Todd Gurley or who do you have up there Reeves? Yeah, I have three. So, I mean, I just Gurley Kamara just are just basically okay. locked in until those guys like, like they're just so good yeah. and so consistent. It's hard to, to fade their opportunity, but yeah, Connor is where he's at and his pricing didn't jump. He went from five to seven on DK or 45, I think to 67. On DK, I'm sorry, I had backwards or FanDuel is the first one. Um, but yeah, 7K on FanDuel with that added flex now, where you're, it's not full PPR. I mean, he's he's a smash there still. Like, how do you how do you still how do you still not put him on every lineup? Yeah, I'm really hoping that it's a situation where people look at, you know, the price jump and they say, oh, I didn't mind paying 4,500 for him, but 7K. Ooh, I don't know if I could pay that. I really hope that happens. <laughs> we got to fit well. Antonio in, man. We got to fit Antonio in. We got to fit them all in, man. Like, if you're stacking up a game, this is the game. Like, it, I don't think either of these teams can blow the other one out. Both these defenses aren't good. Like, it's just it's just a really good spot. And another really good spot, the other high total on the day, is Cleveland at New Orleans. But this game's probably going to be a little bit more of a blowout, you know, just like we thought last week with New Orleans. It's a 50-point total. The Saints are nine-point favorites. Evan, what do you th- – how pissed off do you think New Orleans is after getting beat – after putting up 40 and getting beat against Tampa, now they get the Browns who, you know, let's face it, they're just not a good football team. Yeah. What do we think about the Saints this week? Do they come out in a, as a nice little FU game? Well, the, the Saints really didn't generate any pass rush. Um, and, you know, their outside receivers just won. I mean, look, first, you know, Deshaun Jackson, especially early in the season when he's healthy, when he's, you know, when he's full, all systems go, like – you know, he's a, he's a tough dude to cover and he made monster plays in that game. And then uh, Mike Evans, like won every target against Marshawn Lattimore that he saw. Um, So, you know, I think that the saints pass rush is likely to come alive against the Browns. The Browns are starting an undrafted rookie at left tackle. Um, uh, Chris Hubbard, who they have as their right tackle, uh, he was like the Steelers sixth lineman, you know, he's like a backup former undrafted guy. Uh, Tyrod Taylor holds on to the ball too long. Uh, he took seven sacks last week. Um, you know, so I think that the saints pass rush will come alive. I think the saints defense, uh, is interesting as a tournament play. Uh, you know, they're still at home. Uh, there is some possibility of a shootout and, you know, Jonathan Bales, uh, in one of his books showed that, um, games that, you know, if you're not going to necessarily target like obvious spots like the Ravens at home against the Bills, the next best option is to go to high scoring games that are back and forth. And um, it happened in that game. The Bucks had a defensive touchdown. Yes. Um, so, you know, I think that the Saints uh, check a lot of boxes as like a tournament DFS play uh, on defense. Yeah. And, you know, I'll tell you what, just a real quick refresh for you guys that say, oh, you can't play a defense in a high total game. I mean, the difference between giving up 14 and 34 points with DK scoring is exactly two points. Like it's not that big of a deal. Like defense in DFS, 
isn't as much about point prevention, but rather it's just about you want the mm-hmm. turnovers, you want the sacks, you can get a pick six in there. Great, but turnovers and sacks, that's really what we're looking towards. So, Reeves, when you look at New Orleans as a nine-point favorite, you already mentioned you have Kamara in your top two this week. It's tough to argue with you. I mean, did he get as many carries as we wanted last week? No, but a lot of that had to do with game flow. So, Reeves, where are you at on Kamara this week? I assume you're real high. Yeah, I'm real high because uh, we've seen, like, he's just the archetype of player that you, you just don't fade. I mean, he's a 230-pound all-purpose all back that is was used. He had 90 air yards last week. He's used like a wide receiver. Uh, we have a Now we have an ongoing sample. Everyone talks about his efficiency. Well, we have an ongoing sample now. If you look at his past six games played, including the playoffs, he's been an awful rusher. He's been terrible. 3.5 yards per carry uh, over those six games. He's not that guy that's ripping the six yards per carry, that hyper-efficient run, when everyone said, this can't last, this can't last. Well, it hasn't lasted, and it hasn't mattered at all. He's averaged 23 fantasy points per game over those six games. He plays on the, the best offense in fantasy football. They've been number one or two in skill points generated for their, their skill players. Every single year, Drew Brees has been with the Saints, all every year that he's been there. So, I mean, you just keep riding the wave uh, with him. We just saw what James Conner, a combo back, did to the Browns a week ago. Now that was, uh, you know, kind of in conditions geared towards their running game and to grind them out. But, I mean, Kamara's going to add so much more in the passing and get you so much more catches. I mean, I just don't see how you how you can really, like, really fade him at this point until, like, Mark Aaron comes back and we see any type of split or anything that, you know, go down between those backs because he's locked in just a hyper-aggressive workload on a hyper-aggressive team. Yeah, and another nice thing about Kamara is, you know, the targets are going to be last week, 12 targets. He had more targets than he had carries. And Evan, when we have a guy like that, he's definitely cash playable and in tournaments, obviously, massive upside. Yeah, for sure. And I mean, you know, his his rushing efficiency, like Reeves pointed out, hasn't been there. But, you know, at some point, like he's going to rip a couple of long runs in a game. And so that is that gives him even more upside than what he's shown, <laughs> you know. So uh, and also. Um, you know, he continued to get uh, scoring position work uh, last week. And that was something that he started to get as last season progressed over the final uh, five games. He had seven carries inside the 10. Mark Ingram only got one. Last week, he scores twice from uh, the five-yard five line in or closer. Uh, he's a big home favorite here. Um, you know, they can't trust Mike Gillisley. doesn't know the offense. Uh, he fumbled last week and then didn't touch the ball after that. Um, and, you know, they're not trying to give Jonathan Williams work. So, I mean, Alvin Kamara has even more upside than he showed last week when he only got 17 touches. I mean, I think that I would probably take the over on 17 touches for week two on him. Yes. Okay. So, Evan, when we look at this passing game, like, obviously – last week we liked the passing game. We weren't in love with it because we didn't think the game script was going to be there for Drew Brees. Obviously it was. This week, how are you feeling about the Saints passing game? Yeah, very, very good. I mean, you know, I I did like Drew Brees a lot last week, uh, and I continue to really like Drew Brees. Um, I mean, you know, they, again, they don't have Mark Ingram. They don't have that, like, between the tackles pounder. And so they, you know, because they lack that element in their offense – they are more likely to be a pass oriented team because their running back is like sort of like a souped up space back. And so um, I think that they're, I think that Drew Brees is again, an unbelievable play as is Michael Thomas. I know that, you know, it's, it's not about recency bias. It's about another great matchup. It's about target share. You know, there are two guys clearly at the top of this 
Saints passing game in terms of target share. And it's Michael Thomas and it's Alvin Kamara. And then you have Ted Ginn, who, you know, is kind of like a lower volume streaker, uh, actually popped up on the injury report with a knee injury today. So that'll be something to monitor. But then it's just a bunch of guys, Ben Watson, Austin Carr, Traquan Smith barely played, Cameron Meredith was inactive. So we have a clear cut one and two, and that makes life kind of easy. And Michael Thomas was over 50% of his routes in the slot in week one. Last year, he was only like 20%, but when he was targeting the slot, he was like the best slot receiver in the league. And now they're actually playing him a lot in the slot. Um, So I love that. And he's facing off with Brian Body Calhoun, who gave up the most yards in the league as the Brown slot corner last week against the Steelers just got torched by Juju Smith-Schuster. So Michael Thomas like checks every single box here. Yeah, absolutely. And I'll tell you what, I think I really might just put either Kamara and or Thomas on every team I build. Like, I, I, I don't really see a downside with that. And one of them is going to go for at least 20. I think both of them might go for 20. So I have no problem with that. Reeves, last week, we kind of brushed off the Tampa side and they put up 48. Are we going to brush off the Cleveland side again this week? Well, uh, probably not, just because there'll be some recency, you know, swing back there. But, I mean, you look at their guys that played, uh, who performed big. Jarvis Landry was used. They kept they kept true to their word that Jarvis Landry was going to be used in a completely different fashion than he had to this point in his career. He absolutely dominated the target share. And even though he ran 11, uh, 11 of his 15 targets still came from the slot, he he was getting targets just all the way downfield. His, his average depth of target last week was 13.2 yards. His average over over the first four seasons of his career was 6.3, 6.8, 7.4, 5.5 yards. I mean, true to their word, they they used him as a, an actual receiver, you know, down the field. He had 222, 223 air yards uh, last week. That was only behind Julio Jones. Now – Josh Gordon was on the field for 44 outs and only got three targets. That's There's going to be some give there. I mean, Josh Gordon's going to get the football, especially when you make plays like he did when he got the, the opportunity last week. I mean, that catch was ridiculous that he had to tie that game in the, in the fourth quarter. But, I mean, they paid – they traded for Jarvis Landry. They paid Jarvis Landry. They made no bones about that he's going to be where this passing game falls through. So, I mean, he's going to be in play again. He's, he, he still plays, like I said, in the slot primarily. So, he'll avoid March, March Lattimore the entire game just, just about. He's going to be a, another play this week. I mean, Gordon will be interesting. Um, I think if you're going to just game stack, you can circle back to the guys that underperformed last week and Joku, David Duke Johnson. They were second and third on the team in target still. Just the conversion was there. I mean, that game, Tyrod was awful in that game. You can blame some of the weather. You can blame some of the offensive line. He was just dreadful still, like just just terrible. And, you know, um, the, the target opportunity was still there for both those guys, just the results weren't. Then you can circle back to both of those guys uh, again in tournaments. None of those guys are cash plays. We're not playing any of the Browns uh, outside of Landry and cash if you want to. And we're probably going to bypass Landry anyways because we want to pay up for the, the guys we really, really are in love with. Um, but, yeah, I mean, I think you can still circle back. And Tyrod himself is still in play. Um, probably the, probably the guy of all. You look at how you talk about how bad he played last week. He was just dreadful and was a top seven QB because that's what he does. He runs around and gets you that Konami, that safe floor. And if you're going to get a game where he can possibly throw for 250 and throw a couple tuds and then run for 60 and possibly rush for another one, I mean, he's priced far too low for his type of floor he puts out consistently and the type of ceiling he can have in a week like this. Yeah, I think there's a little bit of love for Tyrod out there, especially with as cheap as he is. Evan, are you on Team Tyrod? 
Um, yeah, I get it. I mean, I get it. You know, we, we've talked over the years how, you know, uh, I think that Reeves uh, originate coined the term that, you know, this is like the Coors field of the NFL and they're going to have to score points. Mike, one concern is that maybe he gets benched in the game. I mean, he was that bad last week and, you know, he exacerbates the problems on the offensive line because of the way he plays. That's why they're using him so wrong. Like you cannot have Tyrod Taylor dropping back to pass 50 times. He's first of all, he's never done that before in his career. Second of all, you know, he's not a, a, a great passer, dude, you know, and what he brings to the table is like, he can help your running game. You know, he can hit an occasional deep ball. He can, you know, um, you know, he can help you as, as an independent runner. But dropping him back to pass under any circumstance is terrible coaching 50 times in a game. And, you know, this is why the Browns are the Browns. And, you know, I, you know, Hugh has a history of benching guys during the game. And that is, you know, I know it's a very small percentage chance that that, that would happen. But that's what I thought last year was that the John Kaiser and it kept like, happening. Like Tyrod was that bad. I mean, he, he's a really bad combination for what they are trying to do offensively. Well, he's also a bad combination for what they're trying to do offensively, which is, you know, score points. All right, let's go on to our third game. It's Detroit at San Francisco, 48-point total. San Francisco, they're six-point favorites at home. But, Reeves, let's talk about this Lions team because if they play worse than they did last week in any game this year, I'd be surprised. That was about as bad as a team could look. Stafford looked awful. The defense didn't do anything. They let a rookie quarterback throw a pick six. And, you know, he threw a pick six in his first game. And then they still got shelled. So, Reeves, the Lions have to be better this week, don't they? <laughs> well, you said by default, too. Uh, they're, they're, they are going on the road, you know, West Coast trip. Uh, but, yeah, I think this is a, there's still a spot here because, one, the receivers are really good here still. They're really good on this roster. I mean, we saw Kenny Galladay get used as a true X, you know, have 12 targets, um, have, have a monster game. And, and the Lions still can't run the football, no matter the changes they've made on the offensive line, uh, bringing in, you know, Matt Patricia, bringing in all just a, a whole smattering of blocking tight ends, uh, drafting a running back at the top of the second round. They ran for the fewest yards per carry in week one. It's same old, same old story here for the Lions. Um, I actually kind of like Stafford as a sneaky low on bounce back guy. Um, you know, it's, it's like you said, it's going to be hard for him to be worse. Uh, you look at the past two times he's come out and thrown three plus interceptions. Uh, he's come out and thrown for four and 23 yards. The following week was a QB five was through four and five yards was a QB one. Uh, and then he also is a guy that's been very wonky with the types of how he performs versus, you know, uh, he's very opponent driven. Uh, especially since Jim Bob Cooter's there since the start of 2015, he's plus 6.6 points, plus 57 passing yards per game. Uh, against defense that rank 20 or lower in the passing game. If you wanted to split that up and, and talk about him going on the road in the state scenario, it's plus 5.5 points and plus 41 yards per game. He's, he's going to bounce back because the receivers are too good here. I mean, he's got too, too good of weapons for him not to get carried for the ride, you know, at some point. Um, he's not going to throw four picks again, I, even as bad as he was. I mean, uh, I probably, like I said, we're, we're not talking cash game upstairs, but I think it's a good bounce back spot against the 49ers defense that, uh, was 25th in passing points uh, allowed per game to quarterbacks a year ago. They were 21st in week one, and that could have been worse if, you know, the Saints didn't try to in the fourth quarter really weren't pressed to, to throw the football. He's going to be pressed to throw the football here as a road dog. Uh, and I, I like Stafford to bounce back. I think it's a great spot for Golden Tate again. 
you know, it's going to be interesting how these receivers match up weekly and find out the guys we like per week. And last week was a spot where uh, Tate had an advantage in the slot, and it's another one this week where he's the advantage in the slot where Adam Thielen really damaged the 49ers in the slot. Um, it's going to be a bounce back, a, a bounce back game for, I think, the, the scoring in this game because they're not going to just score seven points on offense again. Um, and, yeah, like I said, I, I'm in on this, this passing game bouncing back even if they don't win the game. Yeah, I think you, I am too. And, you know, Evan, you kind of brought up something last week where you said because of the size of these San Francisco cornerbacks, these quick twitch guys, you know, these speed guys that have moves that can get past you, they really have an advantage. Last week we saw Stefan Diggs didn't really get loose, but he still had a decent enough game. And you mentioned it, Reeves, with Golden Tate this week. Evan, I think we've got another spot where we can really take advantage of these cornerbacks. Yeah, and, you know, these same cornerbacks, you know, it's – um. Akello Witherspoon, 6'3", 198, and Richard Sherman, 6'3", 195. Uh, you know, those guys match up a little bit better with a guy like Kenny Galladay, who's 6'4", 218. And then on the interior, I'm, I'm totally with Reeves, uh, you know, uh, Golden Tate. The, this game matches – this game fits his skill set. Uh, he had the second most slot routes in week one uh, across the entire NFL. Um behind only Juju Smith-Schuster, who, you know, benefited from playing in overtime. Uh, so Golden Tate in regulation had ran the most slot routes of any player in the league in week one. Um, I think that Marvin Jones is kind of a sneaky tournament play this week. You know, he had four fewer targets than Kenny Galladay, but he had more air yards. Uh, and he had two targets inside the 10-yard line. So I don't think he's dead, you know, after – after week one, people are probably all worried about him because, you know, there was that small sample last year where when Galladay played and was healthy, Marvin Jones' stats took a hit. And, you know, look, they probably will take a hit overall this year. Um, but I don't think he's, you know, I don't, I don't think he's dead by any means. LeGarrette Blunt, I'm not sure he's going to play. Now, the Lions are, like, pretending that they're the Patriots and, you know, uh, <laughs> not giving out injury information. Um, so – you know, we're, we're probably not going to get any clarity on that until late in the week, maybe not even sun, until Sunday. Um, and this is an afternoon game. So we might not even know until like, you know, three Eastern or something like that. Um, but uh, LeGarrette Blunt, he got hurt last week. And so if he's out, I think that helps Theo Riddick. Um, and it might help, help carry on Johnson. I still want to see it from carry on Johnson, but Theo Riddick becomes a little bit more interesting. Theo Riddick was 59% of the snaps last week, uh, seven targets. Uh, so he becomes a little intriguing on, uh, like on DK. Uh, and then Dalvin cook last week against the 49ers. Um, he just shredded the Niners in the first half in the receiving game. The Niners are still going to be without Reuben Foster, their middle linebacker. Malcolm Smith missed week one with a hamstring injury. Not sure he's going to be back. Um, Dalvin Cook had six for 55, and almost all of it was early in the game until the the Vikings kind of, you know, kind of sat on the lead uh, for for the rest of the way. Um, So that is something to note, Theo Riddick, uh, as a PPR play. I like Theo, and he's never popular. And, again, if – if LeGarrette blunts out, if or the Garrett, as Reeves likes to call him, I mean, I could definitely see either one of these guys doing well. I, Reeves, did you think on John? He sure looked like the best running back on Detroit to me, but I mean, I still am not sure they're going to give him a ton of carries. Yeah, he did in the preseason as well, but I mean, this is a spot we've got. They're a big road dog. I mean, and they haven't, and we haven't seen anything from him tangible yet. So I mean, we're not just gonna, we're not just gonna go fishing. 
you know, in that direction. So, I mean, he's not a guy that we're going to go play. I mean, you can get cute, but I mean, that's just going to be, that's just going to be swinging in the dark, you know, if you hit there. Well, what about the San Francisco side? Because Evan, when I look over here, I see a Detroit team that just got lit up on the ground last week, 162 and two touchdowns on just 24 carries for the likes of Isaiah Crowell and Bilal Powell. Not exactly, uh, you know, the Gale series sayers of our generation, but I'm looking at a team here where again, San Francisco, we're going to split carries with Alfred Morris, Matt Breida. I really wish I knew one of these guys was going to get 20 touches because I might lock them in. Evan, what do we think about the San Francisco running game? Um, uh, last week it was Alfred Morris to start, you know, Alfred Morris was the guy early in the game and then he lost a fumble at the two yard line and it was pretty much Matt Breida the rest of the way as the 49ers were kind of in chase mode. Now that did not translate to Breida getting a ton of passing game work. He only had two targets and he's never caught passes, uh, didn't catch passes at Georgia Southern. Uh, was second in the NFL and dropped passes last year among running backs, despite seeing only 36 targets. So, you know, I don't think that he's necessarily a bankable uh, PPR asset at all. Um, I, I, I'm just not sure right now. Um, I still lean toward Alfred Morris because I think that they want him to be the guy. I mean, Matt Breida is sub 200 pounds and you just do not see NFL coaches using guys who are sub 200 pounds as lead backs, you know, uh, almost never. Uh, but I, you're right, Isaiah Crowell and Bilal Powell just smashed this Lions run defense last week. You know, there have been the, – the Lions looked terrible in literally all four of their preseason games. They looked terrible in all four preseason games. I was like, you know, oh, well, maybe they're just not showing very much, you know. Um, you know the new coaching staff sort of, you know. But now we're hearing rumors that, like, the players are starting to rebel against – uh, Matt Patricia, who's like come comes in like a dictator, and you know he's a total reversal from Jim Caldwell, who was like a notorious players coach. Um, so, I it it seems like there's seriously some problems in Detroit right now, uh, and I think Jimmy Garoppolo just drops hammers. Um, when I went back and watched the game, 49ers against the Vikings, you know I was kind of expecting like a dominant game but the 49ers just left a lot of opportunities on the field um the two teams that I thought left the most opportunities on the field last week were the Chargers in the 49ers I mean George Kittle dropped an 80 yard touchdown you know Marquise Goodwin went out with like a bruised quad uh that may translate to Dante Pettis uh playing a ton this week um Jimmy Garoppolo missed Kittle for another would-be four-yard touchdown. Uh, Pierre Garçon dropped a 15-yard touchdown. Um, you know, Alfred Morris fumbled the ball at the two-yard line, lost fumble. I mean, the 49ers could have beaten the Vikings last week, you know, with just a few more fortunate ball bounces. Um, I think that they absolutely come back home and they just drop hammers. I love Jimmy Garoppolo this week. Lions have no pass rush, and Ziggy Ansa, their top pass rusher, uh, left last week's game with a shoulder injury. Lions are saying that he's okay, but you know, Ziggy Ants is like always hurt. So um, I love Jimmy G this week. Um, in terms of pairing him up with somebody, that I think is a little bit more difficult, but my first pick would be George Kittle. I think that George Kittle uh, is like a top three tight end play um, adjusted for price on, on the DFS slate this week.
Ah, I got that mute button. Sorry about that. Yeah, obviously you mentioned George Kittle. You saw 28% of the targets last week for San Francisco. So a lot of love there for Kittle. Only 5,600 this week. I like him quite a bit. Reeves, who are you looking at? Who are you looking to target in the San Francisco passing game? Yeah, I think it's just Kittle. I mean, it's tough. I think you can play Garoppolo naked. Uh, and, you know, he is the most handsome quarterback in the league. So, I mean, you might as well go. go. If you're going to go naked, you're going to go naked with Jimmy G. But, I mean, Kittle's the guy. I think when you just look at not paying up in the tight end position, I think we're going to run into this every week now with the tight ends. Like, it's going to be after Gronk, man. It's going to be just bad. And we're going to have a new guy every week that we're going to look at. If, you're, if you can't play Gronk, who are you going to play? And it, I think Kittle's just – has neon lights this week. I mean, the Lions linebackers are horrendous in coverage. I mean, Gerard Davis is bad. They've got Devin Kennard, who, like, has washed out from a couple teams. Christian Jones was on, like, the Bears, like, second string for, like, four years. I mean, these guys can't cover anyone. We didn't get to see it week one because the Jets have Neil Sterling, but they were eating up in the middle of Quincy Anuno is basically their default tight end anyways. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, you look – you look at Kittle, he's been the tight end seven, the tight end two, and the tight end five over his past three games played now. Uh, Garcon looked pretty washed. It was a tough matchup, but he looked pretty bad in week one. I don't know if he's a guy that we can really count on, you know, bouncing back to be the front half player he was last year. Maybe it'll just take time. Uh, Goodwin is – he didn't practice today. Uh, we've got a, a speed player now with a quad injury. Kind of tough to really get bankable there. Go back to the well on that and think he's going to be fine this week. Dante Pettis was was exciting, you know, outside even outside of that that real nice touchdown that circus grab. He was already cutting into Trent Taylor's slot work uh, naturally. So I mean, if Goodwin's going to be out, he's going to get inflated snaps, and eventually we might see this this guy that they traded up for to get. Um, you know, either take over for Taylor or take over for Garcon at some point in the year. I mean, he's kind of interesting. It'd just be a complete dart. Only if Goodwin was, was out, could you even possibly even play him even in a tournament? But yeah, it's just looking at Jimmy G and Kittle. Yeah. Kittle's uh, I'll tell you what, I know we're talking about, we were talking about Gronk earlier, but at his price, he's going to be in a ton of my lineups. I, I like him a lot. And if I'm with you guys, if I was playing Jimmy G, I'd be pairing him with Mr. Kittle. All right. Let's talk about some other quarterbacks because it's kind of a weird week where all the guys that I like are really concentrated in these three games that we just talked about, which is, you know, both good and bad. It's bad because I think a lot of people are going to look that way, but it's good because, well, at least we know where to go. We can differentiate elsewhere. Maybe one of the places we can differentiate is that quarterback. Evan, I got a name for you, and he's not exciting, and he's not somebody I like whose button I like to click on, but he's got a great match against a secondary that's awful. What are we doing with? Alex Smith this week. I knew you were going to say that. <laughs> I mean, I like it, man. You know, I like it. Um, they have, there's a lot of options in that passing game. Um, they have a, a lot of options. And they have a lot of options that kind of don't mesh with Alex Smith. Um, and then they have a lot of options that do mesh with Alex Smith. And it's really clear the guys who do mesh with Alex Smith. And it's the guys who get open. You know, it's Jordan Reed, Chris Thompson, and Jamison Crowder. Um, Josh Doxson and Paul Richardson just, you know, I'm sure that they'll mix in a decent game here or there over the course of the year, but their games just are not a match for Alex Smith whatsoever because they really don't get open. Um, but, you know, they have increased possibilities of getting open against the Colts for sure. You know, the Colts don't rush the passer at all. Um, you know, the Colts are not particularly good in the secondary, as you mentioned. My one concern would be 
Like, are they going to put it in Adrian Peterson's belly 30 times in this game and control this one? I do think that Andrew Luck is going to come out and be able to move the ball against the Redskins with that short passing game. Um, but, you know, I, I do think that Alex Smith is very much in play. I think he's one of the better uh, streamers this week. Um, and I would add to that Case Keenum uh, at home against the Broncos. Uh, they're letting him sling it a little bit. He's obviously, you know, that it's been very clear that he has a great rapport with Emmanuel Sanders. Um, you know, Cortland Sut- Sutton, I think we have not seen the best from him yet. I think that he's going to continually get better over the course of the season. This dude, Philip Lindsay, is like kind of the real deal, like a souped up Austin Eckler. Uh, they will use him in the passing game. And, you know, they're at home playing the Raiders. Raiders, not only did they, are they on, you know, traveling to the elevation uh, on a short week, but they also played that super late game. Um, so, you know, they're like internal body clocks are going to be off a little bit. This is a tough way to start the season for the Raiders. And I think that the, the Broncos should be able to smash them in case Keenum can have another good game. I mean, he threw pick three picks last week, but he also had you know well over 300 yards and three touchdowns. And um, I think he can continue to be productive. It's a great matchup. Yeah, I mean, I definitely like Case Keenum as well. Reeves, I wanted to ask you about another guy. And this is a guy who we always liked. We, we want him to happen, and it's just been so long since it's actually happened. Reeves, what do we think about Cam against the banged-up Atlanta defense? Yeah, it's interesting. I mean, Cam's a guy who struggled against Dan Quinn. You know, Dan Quinn's defenses have really hampered his fantasy production. And a lot of these games have gone under, if you look at the Falcons-Panthers games. Um, I mean, I'm not really looking to see he's always expensive. I mean, obviously, we'll get to running backs. I mean, listen, we're going to all be jamming Christian McCaffrey wherever we can uh, in this matchup. But, I mean, I'm, I'm okay. I'm never, I'm never anti-Cam for, for uh, tournament play, just because we know the type of ceiling he has. Um, I, I mean, I had – yeah, the two ahead. guys I had was Case Keenum, uh, written down for DK. He's 5,800 on DK. That's really alluring. Evan hammered out those. And the other guy, it didn't work out the Monday through th- uh, Thursday through Monday slate. Goff was a real letdown on Monday. But primetime Russ, man, is cheap again. His price dropped. Last week on DK, Russ was the cheapest he ever was at any point last year when he was the QB1. His price is the same as the week he played the Jaguars. His price dropped again this week. And he's been the QB one. He's been a QB one in eight consecutive uh, Monday night games, primetime games, Sunday night or Monday night. He's averaged 24 points per game. He's either been the QB one or the QB two overall in scoring in four of his past five Monday night starts, almost at 28 points per game. Uh, the Bears allowed the QB five in just a half of football last week. You know, and a guy with one leg. That on was, one leg, know, yeah. Yeah, on one leg, and that can't that, that, that didn't even run. Now Russ is interesting because he's made like a really unique career transition he's kind of like a like a hair on fire mad bomber now like he makes a ton of negative plays the Seahawks success rate of plays is really low like they just look terrible for stretches but he is just going to give his receivers chances and he's just he just takes shots downfield his depth of target just continuously gone up the past four years last year it was a cry this week one it was almost 12 yards He's just kind of turned to this, like his efficiency is, is completely dropped as his volume's gone up and he's just pushed the ball downfield. But he for fantasy, like this is these are the types of players that drop these big 
numbers. And when they can move like a guy like Deshaun Watson could last year, and we saw Patrick Mahomes is the same way this year, you get a little bit or you get a little bit of rushing, the defenses get a little bit worse, and you got these guys that just consistently push the ball on field. They go through stretches of the games where they look not like good tangible quarterbacks, uh, but they've just produced buckets of points. And Russ still had an awesome game last week. Yeah, and I love I love how um, you know we hear all off season about how this team's going to come out and just be a smash mouth team, and guess what? They have like no ability to like diagnose how their own how good their own team is, and that their defense is trash. And you know, immediately week one, their friggin' first round pick is running seven times for eight yards, and you know they're going right back to you know needing Russ to to put the team on his back. I mean. You know, they, they're, they're, they have not managed their team very well in the past couple of years and their defense is terrible. And uh, it's going to, it's going to be the rush show again, all, all year long. And it's going to be Tyler Lockett in the slot now taking over for Doug Baldwin, which is pretty interesting because that's where the bears got smashed last week by Randall Cobb. Uh, the bear slot corner, Bryce Callahan gave up six catches on six targets. Uh, so you're not, ex- are you going to also roster some, uh, Rust to Brandon Marshall stacks. <sighs> I tried to pick him up in season one. <laughs> <laughs> like I, uh, hey, when you have Doug Baldwin, you do what you got to do. All right, let's talk about some running backs. And, you know, as Reeves mentioned earlier, everybody's going to be trying to jam in Christian McCaffrey this week. And why is that? Deion Jones, he's out. Keanu O'Neill, he's out. Evan, how much does these two guys being out affect that Falcons defense? Yeah, it's massive. I mean, you know, this is the like Dan Quinn's defense. So one of the highest efficiency plays, maybe the highest efficiency play uh, just from a general standpoint is like passes to running backs. You know, you get a really high completion rate. They average like seven yards per play. You know, um, it's just a very high efficiency play, ideally on early downs, not on third downs. Um, which is, you know, when NFL teams throw the ball to their running backs, but on early downs and, you know, the saints and the the Patriots in in particular have mastered this. Um, But the Falcons have conceded receptions to running backs and they've been able to kind of get away with it because of the talent and speed of the second and third levels of their defense. But that is due to the fact that they had Keanu Neal and Deion Jones. Okay. Deion Jones is like one of the biggest, I mean, he's like, you know, the Bobby Wagner of the Falcons defense and removing him from this defense is massive. Um, And this really is a green light situation for Christian McCaffrey. Um, Christian McCaffrey had, I think, nine targets uh, last week. And um, some of them were off target from from Cam. You know, Cam is not really that great of a short distance passer. Um, But, you know, this should be this should be a big game for Christian McCaffrey for sure. You're also removing uh Greg Olson from the offense so that frees up some opportunity um so it's really just Devin Funches and Christian McCaffrey right now in that passing game uh DJ Moore was the fourth receiver in week one yeah DJ Moore is somebody I drafted in some basketballs and he looks just that looks like a sunk cost at this point and you know some <laughs> other running backs Reeves that we're going to talk about like you know Evan mentioned Adrian Peterson earlier at home against Cindy, that's a spot. Melvin Gordon against Buffalo, I love this week. Uh, you know, you mentioned Todd Gurley, obviously. Reeves, who are some of the other running backs you're looking at? 
Yeah, to circle back on McCaffrey too, the Olsen injury is pretty massive. You look at McCaffrey's splits last year, he averaged 8.1 targets per game when Greg Olsen wasn't active compared to just 5.7 per game with him active. Now, a lot of people were disappointed in McCaffrey's game last week because the overall line wasn't that strong and he lost a fumble, but he had 16 touches for 95 yards in a game that featured the fewest amount of combined offensive plays of week one. Um, you know, and, you know, so a lot of people were, that usage was there. So though he played the most amount of snaps, he, the highest rate of snaps he ever played to in a game at this point in his career, it was there last year when these two teams played without Greg Olson, he was the RB six in PPR scoring that week. And that was with Deion Jones on the field. Uh, I mean, it's, it's a light him up situation there. You mentioned, uh, Adrian Peterson. I like Adrian Peterson as a season long play in DFS. I'm probably not going to play him because, he did this to us last year, had a couple big game, high volume games. Um, and the matchup's good and everything, but he is he only played 53% of the snaps. Um, and it's he can only he can only thrive in like one type of game script. And now we can project that type of game script here. We all think that's going to happen. But what if it doesn't? What if something fluky happens? I, I don't like to play him in DFS just because he can just come off the rails in a hurry and be out of the game. We saw that last year. I think he had a monster game last year and then was facing the Rams who were just getting lit up by the run. Uh, and I think it was the London game. And they just like came out and scored a defensive touchdown and the Rams scored. And like, we didn't see Adrian Peterson the rest of the game. Uh, I don't think we were expecting that to happen here, but I just don't, he's not a DFS guy. I really like to play just that archetypal player. Evan brought him up earlier and has kind of alluded to a few times, uh, Cheap pump play. Austin Eckler, man, uh, he's had seven career games now. He's just had five or more touches. And in those games, he's averaged 14.4 PPR points per game. The Bills allowed three different running backs to score a touchdown last week. Um, they're probably going to be up. Uh, he's not a type of guy that's going to get ground uh, ground and pound milk away carries, but he's going to get opportunities in this game. Uh, Javorius Allen had a bunch of targets in the first half of that game last week. Uh, he's he's the kind of a guy just to take a shot on. And that's basically, I mean, running back's pretty concise this week. I'm only looking at like a handful of guys. We've basically touched on them all. Evan, I wanted to ask you about another guy, like James White right now for the Patriots. Yeah, it's a bad matchup, but he's somebody I don't think is going to be on. And obviously we know that Tom Brady's, I expect James White to see five plus targets in this game. And at his price, I have a lot of interest in James White. Absolutely. I mean, Jeremy Hill tore his ACL. Rex Burkhead, I think he got concussed in practice because he – went to the first start, the start of practice, you know, the reporter saw him and then they added, they put him on the injury report as no practice with a concussion. So I don't know if he got like hit in the head with a football, you know, Danny, Danny Etling on the sideline is like, you know, throwing one and, you know, rocks Rex in the head or something, but you know, Oh, is Hackenberg there? Oh my God. It could be Hackenberg. That would be amazing. Is he on the practice squad? <laughs> I don't know. They had, no, they had him. They had him for a little bit. Or no, they brought him in for a tryout. I don't know. Maybe they brought Hackenberg back in for a tryout and he got Burkhead concussed. Um, I, it wouldn't surprise me. But either way. It's like the guy who almost, who was it a Burkhead that almost hurt Brady and had him, he had the cut finger for the Super Bowl? Yes. Well, yes. Back. Brady's getting him back. In retaliation. Yeah. Right? Um, no, but all right, Jeremy Hill, ACL, uh, Sony Michelle. I mean, look, he might be active this week, but they're not going to give the ball to him. He hasn't, he hasn't been practicing, you know, he had fumble issues early in camp. I mean, maybe they'll get it, get it to him a couple times, but 
he's not going to come in and have like a big workload, you know, maybe, maybe a max of like eight carries, you know, they're going to have to ease him in coming off that knee injury. Um, and then, I mean, they had to sign Kenyon, Bar- they had to sign Kenyon Barner. Uh, so, and I mean, they're not going to give him the ball. So this is an awesome spot, I think, for James White. It's not necessarily a great matchup. Uh, the Jaguars have been good, like pretty much in every area against running backs in terms of uh, defending the, the the receiving game against uh, running backs. I'm trying to think what they did. Yeah, I mean, Barkley didn't really do very much against them. Two catches on six targets last week against the Jags. And last year, I mean, they have a lot of speed at linebacker. They're kind of, you know, kind of similar to the Falcons, but they don't concede the, the running back receptions like that. Um so it's not necessarily a great matchup, but man, anytime that you can get James White and he's likely to see 60 to 80% of the snaps and, you know, 13 to maybe even 17 touches in a Tom Brady quarterback offense, you know, I mean, I think he becomes very, very intriguing in PPR. I know that in my season longs and I have a ton of James White because people started taking Rex Burkett like in the fourth round, you know, I'm like, I'm taking James White in the ninth then. And, you know, I have him on like every single season long team, including both my high, my high stakes leagues teams. I mean, I'm definitely playing him uh, in all those scenarios. And I think he's an awesome play on DK. Any other guys you're looking at, Evan, that we haven't talked about? I mean, I think we kind of touched on him. Yeah, it's, it's, a really, it's a really narrow week as far as I'm concerned. Reeves, did, I, yeah, did yeah. we miss anybody with you? No, that was running back, I think, is you, you've got the core plays. Yeah. All right, so wide receiver, tie it in. You know, we already talked about the passing game of Washington. Jordan Reed I like this week. You know, you mentioned Devin Funches without Greg Olson there, a guy I'm definitely going to be targeting. Reeves, who are some of the other wide receivers or tight ends you're looking at? Godwin, Chris Godwin. Listen, uh, I mean, if D-Jack's in concussion protocol is a shoulder injury, if he doesn't play – Djax and Mike Evans missed three games last year. Chris Godwin drew a start in those three games. In those games, he had 26% of the Tampa Bay targets. He was the wide receiver 35, the wide receiver 21, and the wide receiver 7 those weeks. One of the weeks, Ryan Fitzpatrick was the starting quarterback. Ryan Fitzpatrick targeted 10 times. Uh, there's going to be a ton of passing volume in this one. There is no way Tampa Bay runs the football on the Eagles. Uh, the Eagles are the, were the best run defense in the NFL last year. They held the Atlanta Falcons. 3.7 yards per carry in week one. Uh, Peyton Barber's not running on this team. They're now Ryan Fitzpatrick's not definitely not putting up 40 on the Eagles either. Uh, but the passing volume is going to be there for his cost. He's the he's the one guy that's going to get you to the jam man, to Antonio Brown. He's one of those guys uh, that, that's cheaper price that you can get to. And the only other guy that I have to, that I do want to talk about is another guy in that game is Mike Wallace. Uh, Mike Wallace. Anytime I can recommend a guy that had no catches. Last week, I mean, we got to do it. Uh, uh, but but listen, this is, man, where, this has gotten depressing really quickly. Where where Wallace at? I mean, he he was he was out there, thirty four routes, led the team in air yards. They took a couple of deep shots to him. Listen, the Buccaneers lost Vernon Hargraves. Probably uh, that's probably addition by subtraction at this point. Dude, if they lost Vernon Harder, think how bad the guy behind him has to be. Yeah, well, Brett Grimes has had a groin injury. He's probably not going to play again. So they are starting um, their rookie, I believe, is, is it Carlton Davis? Uh, he barely made – like, he was, like, fighting for, like, a roster spot at the end of the preseason. He's going to be playing. They started um, him last week and then benched him, but they're, they're bringing yeah. him back. Yeah, they have, a, bring, him back. bring him all back. Bring him all back. 
Ryan Smith is there. He is awful. He is horrendous. I mean, I'm, I mean, listen, 3,900 on DK 53, I'm fan duel, baby. We're going where Wallace at. Okay. You've sold me a little bit. It's, I don't feel good about it. I don't like it, but you sold me a little bit. Evan, some of the wide receivers and tight ends you're looking at this week. Yeah. I can definitely go back to Manny Sanders uh, at home against the Raiders. I think this is the, the, especially in the slot, I think is the best way to attack the Raiders from like a secondary standpoint there. They have talent on the outside uh, with Rashawn Melvin and Gary and Conley. Uh, but their slot corner is uh 64 year old Leon Hall. And uh, Cooper Cup had five for 59 and a touchdown against him. Uh, Manny Sanders playing over 60% of his slot, uh, running over 60% of his routes in the slot. I think he can really eat up uh, Leon Hall. And then I like Nelson Aguilar from the same game. I know that, you know, everybody was calling him like, you know, poor man's Jarvis Landry last week because he had 33 yards on eight targets. But that was against that same really speedy second and third level of the Falcons defense. And, you know, just every time he caught the ball, like they tackled him. Um, and look, that's going to happen sometimes against the Falcons. Uh, they got him involved in the running game. Uh, he threw the Philly Philly pass to Nick Foles. He tied for the team league and the team lead in targets with 10. Uh, they're using him kind of like Keenan Allen, where he's like a 50% slot and 50% outside. And then Vernon Hargree is the guy who Reeves talked about. He's out for the year uh, for the Buccaneers. Um, you know, I wouldn't have mind if he would have played because he's not very good. But, uh, you know, now they're going, they're deep digging into their depth uh, even further uh, to get his back up at slot corner. Um, and, you know, the outside guys are, are beatable as we, you know, we just laid out. So uh, I really like Nelson Aguilar, Mike Evans uh, in that same game. And then uh, Odell Beckham, obviously, you know, always going, going to Dallas. Um, the, the, the Cowboys actually, um, they're, they're, I mean, it's, it's just, it, it's, it's Odell. And they, they were using him in the slot a lot more last week, an easier way to get him slants. He's going to bring one of those slants to the house very, very soon. It's weird to me that nobody's talking about Julio at all against Carolina. It's just one of those weeks we can't awesome afford play. Awesome yeah. play. I mean, I mean, nobody's going to play Julio. We put up over 200 in the spot yeah. last he like, would be he would be my wide receiver too. I think behind, uh, behind AB. I think I don't know Michael Thomas up there too. But I think he'd be my wide receiver too. Yeah, but I think I mean I mean we talked about kind of a narrow player pool this week. Everybody's going to play Antonio. Everybody's going to play Michael Thomas. And if everybody's playing those two guys, nobody can afford Julio. So to me, in tournaments, I really like the idea of playing a completely unowned Julio. All right, guys, that's going to do it for us. Been a lot of fun. Evan Reeves, thanks for joining me. We got to get Devin out of here. He's got to get home to his his lovely lady. But thanks so much for watching the Rotor World Rotor Grinders DFS Pick Six. I'm Eric for Evan and Reeves. We'll see you guys later. Peace.